So the title of this morning's message is Suffering and the Suffering Christ. And we have to understand the suffering of Christ. And maybe the title is a bit, a little bit misleading, but this is where it ties down to. And I want to read you just a portion of scriptures and then we'll start. Let me start in Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five, we'll start at verse number 10. I just want to read you what the scripture says. It says, blessed are those, blessed are those who are persecuted. It says, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. So it qualifies. You are not blessed because you are persecuted because you stand for whatever thing you think is important. It says for righteousness sake, for theirs are the kingdom of God. We are talking to Christians. You stepped into a Christian church this morning. If you're confused of the room that you are in, this is a Christian church. Christian meaning that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So we are not here to have a TED talk. We're here to have a talk about the word of God and adjust our lives accordingly. This is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they when they revile and per blessed are you, not they, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. So these are words that if you are a Christian, that you have to have in your vocabulary and have in your mind that this is your share. If you are a Christian, it's not the pastor that has to endure this. You have to endure this. Blessed are they when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. So as a Christian, you have to, the problem is not when they say these things about you, if it's false. If they say things about you that is accurate, that's a problem. If they say you are a nasty person and they're right, that's a problem. That doesn't mean you are blessed. When they say you're a nasty person and it's wrong, that's got some blessing on it. It says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for whose sake? If they say bad things about you and the only one that wins from the lifestyle you have is you, that's not godly. If you're a Christian, there is no way that if you are an actual real Christian that believes Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, that he is literally God. Jesus is God. In other words, God who has not, who, who does not have an expiry date, who will not die, who cannot be taught anything new, who holds the universe. If he is your God, if Jesus is Lord of your life, that's the kind of God that you serve. You are going, because of that belief, have people who hate you. Because if you believe that, it affects about everything you do about life. It affects how you treat the person next to you. It affects how you treat your parents. It affects how you work at your office. It affects how you do your job. It affects how you apologize when you make a mistake. It affects how you uh, handle your SARS e-filing. What do you want to call it? E-filing. It affects how you do your taxes. It affects how you look after other people's stuff. If you say Jesus Christ is God and you believe it and you yield under that conviction, it affects everything in your life. You cannot be the same person if you really believe that. The reason you have Christians that look like chameleons is because they confess it but don't believe it. They change their color according to their environment because they have no root in their conviction. When you have root in your conviction, 
You leave the church on Sunday and the same colors you had on on Sunday is what you walk with into the office on Monday. And you draw attention because you stand out. You don't blend in because now you do what others don't want to do. You speak like others cannot speak. You confess what others cannot confess. And when you do that, you draw attention to you. Hey, let's go have a beer after work on Friday. No, why not? Because I have a family and I'm going back to my wife. Yeah, but just let's have a quick beer, man. No, why would I hang with you if I chose to hang with her? So you're saying there's something wrong with a beer? No, I'm saying there's something wrong in your marriage. The beer is a symptom. Because I don't have a problem being with my wife. You do. When you say that you're, you're not a chameleon, you're a target. So I'm, I'm preaching this to prepare the church. If we do become bigger and we do build more buildings, you have to be aware that we are going to draw more attention. Because now we'll have more people in more offices, in more schools, in more universities, standing out and being different. Because what is the point of this if we're not going to have it affect who we are. There has to be something different to it. We have to grow a thicker skin. And I'm, I must be honest with you, I'm having trouble as a human being with that. I don't like it when people tell me bad things about me or say things about me that's not true. The point is not so much me, it's the effect it has on other people. Because you have an ignorant person who reads it and don't have the brain cells to investigate. And they automatically believe it and it locks them out of what God wants to do for their lives. And so we have to raise up people who are conscious of these problems facing the church in South Africa and around the world. And it doesn't just affect our generation, it will affect our children. All right, so we're moving on. Persecute you and say all kinds of evil uh, against you falsely for my sake. Next verse. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. This is our posture before when these things begin to happen. Great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're not the first to be persecuted, and you're not the last to be persecuted. Now, when we read the word, you are, uh, not, not that one, moving on. 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, in fact, everyone, put this verse up, you have to read it. 2 Timothy, verses 3 to 12. In fact, why does mine say in fact? Yes. In KGV. And all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Try and find the NIV. Is it the NIV? In fact, so in fact, you just don't miss this. In fact, every one of you wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, put your hand in your chest. Why, say to yourself, that's why I'm in church. Amen. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be, read that last word, persecuted. So when you want to escape that, you must ask yourself, what are you escaping to? So it's not you are a target to be persecuted. So you are not on the sideline. This is not Loftus Fasfeld with 15 players on one side and 15 players on the other side and you shouting to them what they should be doing. You are the guys in the match. You are the ones on the field playing, understanding that you represent something that will draw attention to you and have people judge you and say things about you. Now, if it's easy when you have a surrounding and a community of people who understand these things. It's easier for you to endure it if you have a group of people 
that understand like you that they are serving Jesus Christ. If you stand by yourself, it's a lot more difficult. Jesus stood by himself when the devil tempted him. He stood by himself. He stood by himself while he was on the cross. His 12 disciples disappeared and stood around the corner looking at him. And just Jesus was hanging on the cross all by himself. He withstood those things. It's easier for us to endure when we have a group. That's why we have the church come together as a body so that we can care for one another, love one another, carry one another's burdens, pray for another, uh, one another, and help one another and support one another with whatever needs to be done. All right, next one. It says in John 12, uh, 15 verse 20, Remember that I told you, servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So the question must be then, what is persecution? And here is where I find a problem. The term persecution, in its true biblical sense, refers to the hostile and unjust treatment, often because of religious beliefs. It involves oppression, harassment, and mistreatment due to one's faith in Christ. There is a common misconception or false idea about persecution that some Christians might hold. Some people think persecution is poverty. The word persecution and poverty is not the same thing. When you suffer poverty, you're not persecuted for Christ's sake. You're not being persecuted because you're poor. When you are poor, you're not sharing in the suffering of Christ. Christians are confused with this. They, they think that when I am suffering for Jesus Christ, my poorness, not having food on the table, not being able to pay my bills, is me suffering with Christ. In fact, how would that be possible if Jesus could make a meal for 5,000 people with five loaves? He never suffered hunger because of poverty. That's not suffering. That's personal suffering due to personal choices or personal historical events. That's your environment that produced that result. Some of you had no choice about that. You could not choose the family you were born in. If you are born to a vagabond or somebody living on the streets, that child has not got the same opportunity that I had in securing a, a fruitful life. That has nothing to do with the suffering of Christ. That is a target for the church to resolve. That is an area of the church's responsibility to bring some kind of relief to that child. That, that being poor or suffering poverty is not the persecution the Bible is talking about. Does that make sense? When you are suffering financially, you're not suffering for Jesus Christ. It's not because you're a Christian that you are suffering financially. You're suffering because when you had to go to school in matric, you decided to go to the parki and have a cigarette. Who doesn't understand what I'm saying? Who missed a few classes? Be honest. Okay. What I know now, I would have never missed any classes, including Kunstklasse. <laughs> I would have never missed it. But because I missed a few classes, uh, and some of us miss a few classes, we missed the marks that we needed to get into university. Because we missed the marks to get into university, we missed out on the degree. Now that we missed out on the degree, we have to apply for a job where they're asking who's got matric. And notice that when they ask for a matric only and not a degree, the salary level is a lot less. That's got nothing to do with Jesus. That's you. Self-inflicted consequences. Um, your own actions. 
if I have a marriage and I don't pay attention to that and my marriage begins to deteriorate, that's not Jesus, that's me. This is self-inflicted problems that I have in my life. This is not a fiery trial that Peter is talking about. This is not tribulation that the Bible is warning me about. This is not the devil coming against my house. That's me. If I don't pay attention to my wife and if she doesn't pay attention to me and she's not mindful of me as her husband and the head of this house and as, as am I of her as the crown in my life. The Bible says the wife is the crown of the husband. If I don't treat her like a crown but more like a shoe, that's self-inflicted pain. That's got nothing do, to do with Jesus. Jesus has the answer but he is not the cause. That does not happen because I go to church. It is fixed possibly because I go to church because my friends in the world is never going to tell me that treat my wife better. They'll tell me, let's go have a beer and discuss it. Disagreements in Christianity is not suffering. When I tell you that I believe in tithe and you be, the tithing has to go to the church and you tell me that you don't believe in the principle of tithing, this is a disagreement about one of the fundamental teachings of Bible, but that doesn't get you into heaven or out of heaven. That's got nothing to do with salvation. That has to do with the manifestation of your theology and belief in that theology. That is a disagreement. That is not persecution. But biblically speaking, that's a disagreement. A disagreement on theology is normal. The Bible says you don't enter you don't throw your, your pearls to the swine, well, they will tra tra trample it underfoot. You don't cast pearls to swine. So I, I won't get into an argument about tithing with somebody that doesn't have the fruit of anything else in their lives in the first place. But if you do that, that's a disagreement. That's not suffering. Suffering is not that. So you have to understand that when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about you're going to be poor. I'm not talking about you're going to have ma marriage problems. I'm not talking about you going to have disagreements. That's not the, the kind of suffering that the Bible is talking about. Here's some stats around the world. Around the world, last year, 5,621 Christians were killed for their faith. Last year, 5,621 Christians. Just let that number sink in. That's 15 Christians around the world, 15 people around the world was martyred, killed, for their faith per day last year. That's 15 people around the world per day that says choose Jesus or someone else and they say I choose Jesus and they die because of that choice. 5,600 people lost their lives to choose Jesus. Are you hearing that? Does it bother any one of you? The reason it doesn't, because it's in another country, it's not our problem. It's somewhere else. We don't have to worry about that. 5,600 people stood up and said, I choose Jesus, and someone else deemed them not worthy to live. Someone said, you cannot live because you choose Jesus. That, that upsets me to the degree that I think you are not worth anything and you have to die. In our country, if we walk into the office and people tell us in the office that if you don't have a beer with me, I'm not going to be your friend. And we'll have a beer rather than not have a friend. That person lost their lives. We refuse to lose a friend. We are fearful that friends will leave us because we are Christian. We are fearful that people, uh, parents would reject us because we are Christian. We are fearful that schools will 
Uh, we won't be cool in school if we tell people we are Christian. In other countries, people die when they choose Christianity. Now, it would feel like that should happen in Iran. But the fact is, it actually happened in Nigeria, most of them. Of these, 89% of people who got killed was in Nigeria. 5,000 people in Nigeria, Nigeria is in Africa, was killed because of what they believe. In the past year, 2,000 churches and built, church buildings were attacked, looted, and forcibly closed. Most of the, or half of these, was in China. If you have a church building in China, you spend your life building that church building, they burn your church building down. Persecution in that sense would be, after we've spent two years building this building, a bulldozer comes in by order of the government and breaks this building down. That's persecution. Persecution is not me not having money for McDonald's. Persecution. What type of persecution are you facing for your faith? If you've not had a disagreement to the degree that you may have lost a friend, I, 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 I don't want to say wife or husband or, or parents because, uh, because that may be misread and telling children not to be honorable to their parents. I'm telling all children, while you're under the house of your parents, you are honorable to your parents. You respect your mom and your dad. You're not their pastor. You're not supposed to lead them uh, in how they live out their Christianity. The head of the house is supposed to lead you. You just leave them be, do their own thing. You respect them, you honor them, and you submit to them. The Bible in the Ten Commandments doesn't qualify. It doesn't say, if your parents perform, honor them. It says, honor your parents. Full stop. But in what sense, as a Christian, have you faced persecution? In what sense has people asked you, oh, so why are you so serious about your faith? Don't you have you heard the word in Afrikaans? The word in Afrikaans would be, you find it fair. But I'm, I'm telling you that people will question if you have not had the question posed to you, are you taking it a little bit too far? Maybe you are not taking it too far at all. I don't want to be a chameleon, I want to be a lion. The Bible says we are the tribe of the lion of we are of the tribe of Judah, a lion out of the tribe of Judah. That's where I want to be and function and base my life. The Bible calls me a light. The Bible says we have the light of the world in us. A light has a purpose to walk into darkness and shine in corners where people cannot see. If you are not light and you walk into an office and nothing changes because you're there, is the light really in you? I want to read you the story about Stephen in Acts chapter 6. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaints against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now in those days, when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So in the early church, there was complaints against how the early church did their service to the community because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So these people are upset. The church is not doing it their way. Then the 12, which is the 12 apostles at the time, summoned the multitude of the disciples, the multitude. You don't use the word multitude if it's five because the number 12 is greater. So if it can mention 12, it can mention 10, it can mention 20. 
So if it says multitude, it's more. Then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So it's placing priorities on what should be done. It's not good for us to be serving tables. So it's putting social responsibility beneath the study of the word of God. Are you reading that with me? So if you want to find out what social justices are the church pursuing, I would say studying the word for leadership is more important to have an understanding of the word of God because the word of God directs how we do social justices. It says it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So in other words, good reputation means not everybody that does anything can do everything in the church. There's a qualification to be in service of the church. That why, that's why we have certain U-group leaders. Uh, not everybody's a U-group leader. And not all U-group leaders are perfect. There's very few of them that are perfect. Most of them have issues. None of them are pastors. And by the way, also the pastors are not perfect. You'll find that the pastors still have skin and flesh. They're not glowing yet. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The year the word business is used in the church. You see that on the screen? So they've turned the church into a business. Well, the apostles used the word business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And they're saying, please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, the proselyte from Antioch, who they said before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them, and then the word of God was spread. If, if people ask you, why do we pray for people and lay hands on them? Because it's in the Bible. Now, you jump to chapter number 6, um, verses 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs amongst the people. Then there arose some of what they called, what is called the synagogue of the freed men, the Cyrenians of Alexandrians and those from Sicilia, uh, Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. So Stephen, can we break it down just for a second? We're almost done, three minutes. There arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, um, disputing with Stephen. Just go back to verse eight. What was Stephen doing? And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was out there living out his Christianity. When he was called, the Bible said he was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. So this is a young man, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. It's a qualification. You have to have faith. I mean, you can't serve Jesus without faith. And he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's doing his thing. He's minding his own business. He sees a problem. He, a miracle is when God breaks the rules of the natural realm. Where God comes and for once just doesn't pay attention too much to the, the rules and just does something that shouldn't happen. When the doctor says you should die and then God just heals you and you don't die. And people go like, that doesn't happen. It happened in this church. It's happened quite a lot, actually, as a matter of fact. It happened quite a lot in this church. And God doesn't work. So Stephen is just doing that. And yet somehow by doing that, he ends up in a dispute with Alexandrians and people from Cilicia and Asia. And they're disputing with Stephen. He's just doing what he's supposed to be doing and he ends up in a dispute. You cannot serve God and not draw attention to you. They are disputing with Stephen. Watch what happens, poor little Stephen. And they were not able to resist him because of the wisdom of the spirit by which he spoke. 
May that be our share, that we would have wisdom to represent Jesus. We are not defending a brand. We're not defending people. We are defending the kingdom of God. Next verse. Then they secretly induced men. Watch what they do. They secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous word against Moses. They lied. They induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words. What can you do um, they, of the, against the Lord? So next verse, for we heard him say these, this. Ultimately, they stoned him to death. He died. At the end of when he died, what did he say? Get to that verse where he says what he says. He told them to hold it not against them. They do not know what they do. And he prayed for them. Something like that. Uh, you'll see it now on the screen. Any second. Not there. If I do this 15 times, one of them is going to be right. That's how some people prophesy. <laughs> Come people. You're help me. He knelt down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He prayed for those people stoning him to death. This is the way. Is that not the Mandalorian. This is the way. He prayed for them. Now, this is the verse I wanted to read to you where he says in 1 Peter 2, uh, 4, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised. And fiery ordeals that has come on you test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as, as you participate in the suffering of Christ. Rejoice when you are persecuted as a person because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Rejoice because in as much as you are participating in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of his name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Rejoice when they persecute you. Make sure that it's the right persecution. I lied. That's not the last. This is the verse I wanted to read. Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those. We're not praying, God, close their business. We're not praying, God, if somebody insults you, God, kill them. We bless them. Because if you bless them, you set yourself, you cut the bonds that could tie yourself down. Because the moment you start interfering there and you put prayer, which is not prayer, it's witchcraft if you pray things that are not from God. It's witchcraft. You're tying yourself to that person and you're dragging yourself down with them. Cut it. Say, God, I bless you. Believe what you want to believe. Turn around, walk away. And let God deal behind the scenes with however he wants to deal with that person. 